welcome to What a Screen, the podcast where I, your host, or golly Miss Dolly, chats with a special guest every week about horror films. And in particular, we discuss two films that we feel perfectly um, encompass a certain uh, subgenre or theme that I have previously randomly chosen. Um, I can't believe this is episode 24. That is absolutely wild. I never thought I'd even get past episode five, but sure, look, here we are. Um, This week is an interesting subject. Um, It's one that has fascinated me for years since I was a child. Uh, The theme is urban legends. So an urban legend is a myth or a tale and it is like the modern genre of folklore. It is an oral tradition. So, you know, kids sitting around the campfire telling each other about scary stories um, is almost like our ancestors sitting around a fire <laughs> telling each other stories. So it basically is the modern version of uh, folklore. Uh, It often consists of fictional stories that are associated with the macabre or superstitions, cryptids and even creepypasta. So it has kind of moved on with the generations and it has now entered kind of like the Internet era with creepypasta and all that kind of other fear generating kind of elements. Urban legends are often rooted in uh, local history and pop culture. Now, everyone knows an urban legend, whether it is the legend of Bloody Mary or check your candy at Halloween because there might be razor blades in it or drugs. Um, One that I always remember is like, you know, this woman and her boyfriend were sitting in a car and he got out because they heard a weird noise outside. And then she heard drip, drip, drip on the roof of the car. And when she looked out, her boyfriend's bloody head was dripping blood on the top of the car or, you know, several um, different versions of that. There's also like the cryptid story. So there's like the chupacabra who is, you know, the, the goat thing um that kind of has come from puerto rico um and then obviously we've got the creepy pastas on the internet so we've got like the slender man and you know that kind of thing um and then of course there are different urban legends for every country as well um and seriously there is such a long list of urban legends you can find on wikipedia and going through them is just it's just great I mean, even, you know, the, the urban legends does, don't all have to be um, like horror kind of um, centering. You've got the, the curse of the Bambino was a superstition evolving from the failure of the Boston Red Sox baseball team to win the World Series in the 86 year period from 1918 to 2004. Um, we also have a version of this here in Ireland, um, the Mayo uh football team the mayo male football team will never win the all ireland because of is it called the curse of sam um some person cursed the mayo football team and mayo will never win the all ireland until all members of that cursed team are dead so yeah 
Um, so it's really interesting to look at like every country and every kind of community's urban legends. Uh, so this week I am discussing urban legends within horror with my very special guest Mal Jutley, who I met on the Ghouls magazine uh, panel talk for mental health within horror. Um, we got on straight away. Mal is uh, a well of knowledge when it comes to horror movies. And so I knew I had to get them on the podcast. So here is my chat with Mal. And together we discuss two horror films that kind of encompass the subject of urban legends. We have I Know What You Did Last Summer um, from 1997 which um, has a lot of urban legend kind of theory in it. And also another 90s film, um, one of the absolute classics, uh, Candyman from 1992, which again, um, you know, we've got the Hookman urban legend in that and also kind of a take on the Bloody Mary legend as well. Um, So here it is, my chat with Mel. So I would like to welcome to What a Scream, uh, Mal. How are you? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Um, how is your little corner of the world? Uh, wet, actually. Uh, yeah. A lot of rain lately. <laughs> no way. In Ireland, we've been perfectly sunny and beautiful. Really? Yeah, <laughs> it's quite strange. Oh, no, it's a lot of rain, just constant yeah. rain, sometimes over, same old boring. Yeah. But no, all good. Yeah, busy with day-to-day stuff. Good, good. Um, we met through the uh, Girls Magazine mental health panel talk discussion. Um, how did you feel that went? Did you enjoy doing that? Because I did. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was amazing. Just like I said, I think I tweeted about it afterwards. Say it was mm. a so enlightening, but b just to sort of see so many like many people talking the same way. Yeah. About the same subject matter. Um, but it was so good, and I got to meet a whole new bunch of people like yeah. yourself, but also just the, the fallout of that was just people were almost like well really mental health and horror i'm like yeah there's a connection yeah. if you look into it yeah absolutely <laughs> um so for anyone that doesn't know would you like to kind of introduce yourself and give us a short intro about what you do okay um so i'm i always introduce myself as like an average joe i'm just a film fanatic <laughs> um you know uh yeah yeah mostly watch horror films of course uh but generally i can be found at like film festivals um online events where it can possible um i try and get involved as much as i can i do always try and write a short like review of each film i watch on my social media um but i'm not a writer i'm not a producer i'm not in the industry i'm just a fan that enjoys movies and like to talk about them as much as I can, really. Yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> that's that's kind of how we all get into it. We're just, we're just fans. Um, so how did you get into horror? And do you remember the first horror film you ever saw? Yes, I actually tweeted about it today, I think it was. Um, it's, oh, it's a weird one. So I got into horror by accident. My dad would have a lot of books lying around, um, film book, actually. Um, so I stumbled across um, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, um, Dirty Harry and Jaws mm-hmm. and Jaws sort of like, stuck out I'm like okay and then the, the first I think first few pages of Jaws is obviously the scene before the nighttime scene and that grabbed me I'm like whoa and that sort of piqued interest in horror so I would have been about nine ten yeah. I think so that would have been 84 85 mm-hmm. and just when 80s horror was sort of like kicking off um, and then I, I, I can't exactly remember how I ended up watching it but I ended up watching Ex- The Exorcist first off 
<laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Sounds yeah, pretty hardcore. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Poor baby so now. About, I know, right? I was, I was about 12, 11 or 12 and I'm like, yeah. okay, this is fun. Um, and I, I, I didn't get scared, funnily enough. I was just, yeah. I wasn't even traumatized. I was more, more like shocked by what I saw. Yeah. Um, and then straight up, soon after that, and again, I can't remember the timeline. My memory's a bit hazy now, but soon after that came, came Amityville Horror, which really scared me. Yeah. The original one, yeah. um, and then evil, and then Evil Dead followed up soon after that, mm. and then I discovered Freddy because I was obviously that's when I went to sort of secondary school, eight, yeah. thirteen, fourteen, and f- slashers came were big then, yeah. um, and then I was like, I like these films, uh, <laughs> and then I just, and then the local video shop that privately owned video store knew who was down the road from my house. He knew who I was. He'd lend me videos that he shouldn't yeah. really lend me. I'd go in there, rent a, a, a horror film and, and sort of secretly watch that when everyone's asleep kind of thing. Yeah. And it just grew from there, really. Yeah. I really love how um, through kind of doing this podcast, a lot of people have that shared experience of the video shop. Um, yeah. I remember when I was living in England and my nanny, uh, we lived in uh, Tilbury in Essex and it was... Um, yeah. It always had this video store that was like it seemed really out of the kind of normal for Tilbury because it was very like almost gothic, but it had this massive cutout of uh, Pinhead from Hellraiser, and I just remember <laughs> going into the video shop and being terrified, absolute yeah. terrified of this cardboard cutout. But it's just so funny how, and it's mainly horror fans have this shared experience of the video shop. Yeah, and, and for me, it's um, it's because of the fact that like, half the films are rented. I had nothing, no idea. It was purely the cover. So yeah. like, oh, that's, yeah. that looks interesting. So the cover up, I'll, 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 I'll hire that and see what happens. So yeah. in purely for that reason. And then you go away and you watch it. And again, 80s had so many films that was either straight to video or, you know, mm. those sort of films, which you probably didn't catch anywhere else. Yeah. And I couldn't go to cinema. So mm. yeah, it worked a treat for me. Yeah. And, and most of the time, the cover was almost better than the film. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> and it's, you know, I find it such a shame that, like, today's, like, young generation and forward will not have that experience of going into a video shop and looking at the cover and getting really freaked out by the cover um, and mm. then, like, running away from it like I used to do. Um, yeah. Now they've only got, like, Netflix screens. Yeah. And it's and not so quite the same. <laughs> No, it's not. So, so I, again, one of my weekend jobs was working Blockbusters. Um, so I spent, obviously, uh, uh, I think a good two or three years working Blockbusters. And even when I didn't work, I would spend ages just browsing through all the sections. Yeah. Kind of like what you do with Netflix now, where you just, you know, flick, 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 and can't yeah. work out what to work, work, what to watch. But I remember you would spend time in um, a video store because you ended up thinking, well, I'm here now. I've got to yeah. buy some, rent something. Um, but that shared experience of, you know, you meet somebody, oh, what do you think of this one? Oh, I saw it last week. It's really good. That stuff, yeah. you know, I, I, I loved working in that store, but yeah, I, I, although I've got a hate for Titanic because of that, it was on loop for that three months straight. And I hate uh, Titanic no. Because of that. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> but, yeah, but the, but the video store, yeah, it's, 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 it's a lost art form in its yeah. own right, if I'm honest. And how do you feel that being a horror fan has kind of shaped you into the adult you are today? Um... That's a really good question. I don't know, if I'm honest, because so uh, films always consume me anyway. Mm. So I always, I'm the kind of guy that, you know, I'll always quote films in my normal everyday language because it'll fit perfectly. Yeah. But ho- horror is a good one because it sort of puts you out, out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And I think so, as we, we discussed on the on the mental health um, podcast we did, because I have my, my own issues and have the anxiety and stuff, it almost helped me sort of come to terms with a lot of stuff. 
yeah. that I wasn't sure about. And then it would help me question or push boundaries, but also find meaning or an yeah. understanding. I saw this film recently, not recently, but a couple of years back about um, sleep paralysis. Mm. And I used to suffer from sleep paralysis as a, as a kid. And it resonated so much. I'm like, oh, yeah. And, and I'm like, well, I've got, there, there's been no other medium that I could resonate to apart from yeah. this film. Yeah. So it, it's helped me understand a lot of stuff, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd be kind of the same. Like, I always resonated with horror really hard, but I didn't understand why until mm. kind of within the past year or so when I really start. I mean, I, I've always, you know, known there was kind of the reason I liked horrors, perhaps because I was an outcast. And, you know, uh, like Boris Karloff said, the monster was always my best friend. That was kind of yeah. how I grew up feeling because I was an outcast. Um, I resonated with monsters a lot. But growing, being an adult now and talking to more people and doing stuff like the mental health, now I understand that it's not just because, oh, I'm an outcast, I like monsters. It's because horror is just this psychological experience that if you've gone through mental health problems, um, like a trauma of some sort, it just mm. provides this safe, this kind of safe, controlled space to explore mm. those feelings. And mm. it, it's crazy to think that like, Horror is perhaps the only genre of movie that is that psychologically deep. Yeah, 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 yeah I agree. I, I, a lot of the, my favorite horror films um, are psychologically driven. So obviously, yeah. you know, like obviously, I like Exorcist, um, uh, The Omen, um, uh, The Shining, for example. Even Audition is another favorite. So yeah. there's an element of you know, I, I don't mind slashes. I think I, I love watching a slasher film, but for me, it's it's a different experience. Yeah. Um, which is why I like possession horrors and those sort of yeah. things because they they really sort of you know tweak something in my head. I'm like, yeah, yeah I res they not resonate, but you know, I, I, there's something there that I can sort of I can almost relate to in a weird sort yeah. of way. Yeah, absolutely, I completely agree. Um, so this week's theme is one that I was kind of excited about doing: um, urban legends. Mm. Um, so, what do you think of the urban legend? What what is your experience of it? Uh, it, well, in movies and horror movies, I think it's it's always been the, the, a central premise, right? There's always mm -hmm. been a, a, like a, um, a boogeyman story or a spooky yeah. story that you know you, you hear as a child, you know, you, you hear the stories of you know uh, there's a monster come and get you go to sleep, that sort of stuff, and yeah. those sort of things. You, so you, growing up, it's always in the back of your mind subconsciously that the, a monster's going to get me. Yeah. So the other stuff when that came through, and, and a lot, especially the '90s stuff, when it res that sort of picked up again, it, it's almost like yeah, this is what i what i know you know yeah. there is a, a boogeyman out there is someone going to get me if i don't if, you know and you throw in superstition mm -hmm. and then suddenly you're like how oh, can this is really believable and that can get really really scary because you're like yeah, yeah i shouldn't say that yeah. or i shouldn't do this or i shouldn't you know these things will if i do these things then something else will happen and then there'll be a monster released so yeah. for me i think it's a great great premise it really is yeah um i kind of like it that it's you know, we talk a lot, especially perhaps coming from an Irish background, we talk a lot about folklore and you always yeah. think folk as like folklore as like a history thing. You know, it was back in the day when they didn't have TV and they had to sit around a fire and chat to each other. But urban legends are modern day folklore. It's, you know, it's kids telling each other about uh, Bloody Mary or the Hookman or yeah. a China doll that comes to life and, you know, all this yeah. kind of stuff. And yeah. I always remember being a kid and it was always sitting in a group and being like, tell me your scariest 
urban legend and we'd yeah. all freak the hell out of each other like really badly <laughs> it was like my first kind of real nightmare fodder before the horror films um so how do you feel about urban legends kind of being a representation of like moral standards um i think it's an interesting one because if you if you look at some of the films that have been made um even like, like drag me drag me to hell comes up straight away because there's a lot of sort of moral conundrums in that film which you when you think about it you think you know should i shouldn't do this should i shouldn't believe this yeah. and i think the urban legend films really tap into that and make yeah. you think well w- w- would you do this would you say this yeah. you know and if you if you do well these are the consequences yeah. so i think th- there's a lot of it around that which makes you know which again resonates with the, with the viewer because like oh shit they said that or they did that they know that yeah. if they do that that will happen you know so yeah, yeah it taps into that really really well yeah and how do you feel that the the premise of an urban legend um coming into the modern day era where we've got things you know where it comes from like this oral tradition and is going into a, a multimedia tradition like the internet and we've got stuff like creepypasta slender man how do you feel about that kind of morphing of the urban urban legend i think it's a it's a good way of adapting it i mean even even things like uh, like even host right that film that came out last year the zoom thing that kind of kind of almost is as well because you know there's something in the background going around so i think it's, it's going to evolve and change because yeah. it's going to be got to be relevant you know there'll be a there'll be a like even the some of the, the stuff you get like memes and stuff there's almost a, you'll see some a three second four second video and it's almost like did i see that right yeah. and you go back and watch it again so it's going to evolve i think it's just making it relevant to the right audience and when when I was when obviously when I was younger and growing up, it, a certain type of film resonated. You know the one I'm going to cover today. I watched yeah. it recently again. It's dated pretty badly, if I'm honest. Yeah. But at the time, it worked really really well. Yeah. Um, but so it's keeping it relevant, and I think urban legends are always going to be relevant because there's always a spooky story somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what is your favorite classical urban legend? Uh, I can't even think if I'm honest. No. I, I, I think, I think I, mine's I, I, Bloody Mary. I think that's always going to be a favourite of mine. Yeah, so I, I I watched a lot of Hammer horror films as well mm. growing up um, because they were either on TV or something. Um, and then there was an element of sort of Dracula that fascinated me. Um, not necessarily obviously urban legend style, but there's yeah. that, that again, that monster myth, that, you know, yeah. that alluring presence that mm. you kind of want to know what it's about but know it's yeah. bad for you at the same time yeah that probably is my earliest sort of um relevant sort of yeah. feeling towards uh urban legends but then i'll go straight back into or jump straight forward to the 90s because that that's where i watched rewatched a lot more of the yeah. sort of urban legend stuff if i'm honest yeah um so let's get into the movie that you chose would you like to introduce it and give us a short synopsis yeah so um so the film i chose is i know what you did last summer um the the imdb tag is four young friends bound by a tragic accident are reunited when they find themselves being stalked by a hook wielding maniac in this small seaside town um i first saw this when it came out actually and of its when it came out it was like we were like oh wow because it was you know i wasn't far off the age group um it was the kind of thing you would probably end up, you know, being involved, in, not necessarily yeah. a murder, but, you know, yeah. out with your friends, <laughs> yeah. something goes wrong, like, oh, shit, what do we do now? Yeah. Um, and it just ticked all the boxes. And it obviously is yeah. jumping on sort of the band, not bandwagon, but, you know, that that rise of films at a time like um, Final Destination and so on and so yeah. forth. 
where it just worked really, really well. So I've chosen this one to, uh, today to discuss about how that fits in with the today's theme. Yeah, um, I have a real soft spot for I Know What I Did Last Summer because like a lot of horror films, it, it invokes a memory of mine. Um, so when I was a teenager, I wasn't allowed like a nice TV. I had to have the one, you know, where you turn the dial and you've got to yep. try and like, and you've got to point the aerial in funny ways. And so yep. I remember trying to watch, I know what I did last summer on one of, I think it was like channel four or something. And I had to keep picking up the TV and moving it to different corners <laughs> of my room and get the perfect signal. Um, so I have a real soft spot for this film, but yeah, when I went back and watched it a couple of days ago, I was like, Jesus, it's aged really badly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I, I saw it, at, actually, I was at, I was at a, a teen horror 80s, or no, teen horror 90s all-nighter at the Prince Charles in London, and yeah. they had this um, Scream, uh, I forget what else now, The Craft, uh -huh. um, a couple of others, I forget now what they are, and when this came on, it was almost a laugh-along, because yeah. yes, the film was what it was, but the, some of the dialogue, and I can't remember it, I should have written some of it down, but some of the dialogue we just laughed at, like, did you yeah. actually say that? And, you know, was it written in that way? And, yeah. and even the delivery, just so, you know, Freddie Prince Jr., like, yeah, you, you're not a great actor. And yeah. it clearly shows. <laughs> I know, like, because when you think about, so there's Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Ryan Felipe, and Freddie Prince Jr. And when you think of them, they're like, yeah, yeah they were like powerhouses of like the 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. They were like, they were in everything. Everyone had posters of them. And then when you watch this film, you're like, oh, oh dear, like, oh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, like, Freddie, I mean, Freddie Pinch was, was, was the kind of guy where you, you knew he got, he, he he probably had connections and, you know, he's good at what he did. But yeah. the other three, Sarah Michelle Gellar and Ryan Fleet, like, you know, yeah, yeah, they're good. I mean, they were great in Cruel Intentions. Yeah. So they had that sort of, you know, yeah, they, but Freddie Pinch Jr., when I watch it now, I'm like, wow, okay, that worked for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so where do you think, so this kind of came off the, the back of uh, Scream, obviously it was done by the same screenwriter, um, Kevin Williamson, who also did Dawson's Creek, funnily enough. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> so it came off the back of Scream, but where do you think this kind of teen slasher revival came from? Yeah, Scream's a good shout, but even Candyman, and you know, we're going to mm. chat about it. Yeah. And that probably is probably what kicked it all off because yeah. it, I remember, so I, when Candyman came out, I was abroad, I was visiting family in Kenya, and they were like, and it had just come out, I hadn't seen it, and they were talking about it, and they're like, oh, this is film, if you say something five times, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, wow, that sounds amazing. But then as soon as that came out, the buzz was there, and then there was all these films that just, you know, the, the, that 90s teen thing just yeah. kicked, like so the, the craft happened, and the scream and and even even when, when I know what it is, it's almost like cashing in on it. Yeah. And I think one of the ones that stood out was Final Session because it was a it was a really really good way of projecting that story. Mm. But I think they almost it was almost like well we've got a bunch of good looking kids that everyone knows them. Let's chuck yeah. them in a horror film, you know. Yeah. So it's a no brainer really for the industry. Mm. Yeah, it was really kind of like the first time that they started to use big names within mm. horror films. Whereas before, obviously, we had beautiful people in the 80s in horror films, but they weren't well known. Obviously, it was like, yeah. you know, Johnny Depp's first role was in Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Kevin, exactly. Baker's in, Kevin Bacon's in Friday the 13th. Yeah. But they started to use really well known. And there was this huge kind of explosion of teen kind of stars. Um, mm hmm 
And then they had this kind of like, again, as well as with the 80s, they had this morality thing of, you know, if you're a, a careless teen, bad things will yeah, happen exactly. to you. Yeah, um, yeah. So let's chat about the urban legend aspect of I know okay. what I did. I know what you did. Not I know what I did last summer. I know what you did last summer. <laughs> <laughs> we all stayed home last summer. That's what we did. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> so do you want to chat a little bit about the, the urban legend aspect of this? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, I won't, you know, I'm not going to, everyone's probably seen the film right now, but obviously the, the main aspect here is they sort of obviously going down this windy road um, they hit this person, um, this fisherman dude, um, and they think he's dead or somewhat dead. They sort of half finish the job, mm. and he comes back to haunt them with a, that note. I know what he did last summer. Yeah. And the point and the, and the way I look at that sort of urban legend was like it was something that was almost always going to be there to bring them back. It, it's never going to be clean cut, right? So yeah. that that legend of the fisherman was there. They've done something which they shouldn't have done. They probably should have owned up, told the police, mm. done the right thing, but they didn't do the right thing. So therefore, here's your comeuppance. Here's your, yeah. you know, here's here's what you should have. Here's here's why you're gonna get now killed because you didn't do the right thing. And I think yeah. that, in its own small uh, um, sort of summary, is the film. But when you stretch it out over an hour and a half, it does it actually worked because yeah. it was almost like one by one you're gonna die. Mm -hmm. um, you're gonna you know because you didn't do the right thing. However. Um, here, we're going to prolong it because if you had done the right thing, you would have been safe. Yeah. So it's almost, almost prolonging that, uh, that agony almost. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of based on the Hook Man urban legend. Um, yeah. And they even discuss the, the Hook Man urban legend in a scene in I Know What You Did Last Summer. And they kind of talk about how, you know, it happened to a friend of a friend and, yeah. you know, they were a couple getting hot and heavy in a car and, you know, the hook man came and killed them. Um, and it kind of it almost set the framework for the film. You know, if, yeah. if you're gonna do a bad thing, which, you know, having sex isn't a bad thing, but back in the day, you know, teens having sex was awful. Um, yeah, but it, yeah, it does set the framework for it. If you're going to do a bad thing, you're going to get very punished. Exactly. Yeah, um, and I kind of love that. You know, you could almost say, like, you could almost start an urban legend from I know what you did last time. Like, oh, I know these people, and they hit and run this guy, and then he came back to haunt them. You know, it's very much yeah. like yes, that could turn into a tale of an urban legend. Oh, totally. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of that happens. You know. Even that premise of of the Hookman mm. is probably just as, you know again it's a spooky story to say at the time yeah. you know when you're out late at night with your friends you know you tell oh you know you're walking down the woods oh, you know these woods by the way yeah. about thirty years ago this happened in these woods really yeah this guy and it yeah. starts from there mm. so it, oh, again that scene when they're discussing it it is you know the high school kids being messing around shortly doing and then there's always that one person that throws in this horror story or this ghost story that yeah. to freak everyone out. So yeah. it, it's it, again, it's done really, really well because we all, like I said earlier, we all resonate with that. We all resonate with that one random story you hear middle yeah. of the night walking down the street, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how do you feel that, I mean, apart from the acting, how do you feel that this film has kind of stood up? Do you think it still has the scare impact perhaps like it did back in the, the 90s or do you think it's kind of lost that a little bit? That's a funny one, you know. A lot of horror films that when you 
when you watch them now with a different audience, mm. it's, they're received completely differently because a lot of films were of their time. So, you know, I've seen people talk about The Exorcist and say, oh, it's not as scary. You're like, yeah, but you weren't there when it came out in 1970-odd, yeah. you know, yeah. and the audience then, you know, we, we didn't have 24-hour media coming to our yeah. faces all the time. So a lot of stuff now people are sort of almost tuned out to. But I think there's parts of I Know What Did I Summer that will still work. You know, things, it's, for me, it's, it's, if you're a teenager or 18, whatever, older, watching this film, it's still going to hit the notes because it is, like I said, it is that spooky story. It's yeah. a great date movie as well, you know. There's, there's, yeah. there was that, you know, talk about date movies, you know, like Scream is another one of those. Yeah. You know, you just watch it and it's going to be the unsolved talk. Talk films like yeah, it was fun to watch on a date, even though yeah. you both, you know, either one or both of you are, are freaking out. Yeah. Um, so I think that that works. Maybe not. It may not be as scary as it you would have been back then, mm-hmm. because again, it's like okay, someone's getting chased down by a hookman. Fair enough. Yeah. But I think there are. I think jump scares still work, or at least the shock element of it still works. Yeah. But the film itself, as I said earlier, people you you will tune out to it now because it hasn't dated well. Yeah. But parts of it does work still. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And would you recommend this film to horror fans? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a lot of nineties films. You've you've got to watch. You know, mm. otherwise you've, you're jumping a whole sort of era of films yeah. that were made made for that for for those people mm. growing up. You know, the college students or the university students. So, like this one, definitely. Um, even if you don't like it, you you've yeah. got to watch it. You got to watch yeah. it. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I kind of feel like if you really want to get into horror, you have to go back and do your research, basically your research. Um, you know, I've always said that thing about like, um, you know, even the silent films or universal, you know, go back, see where it all came from. But the nineties, like without this nineties slew of slasher, we would never have, you know, hostile, hostile or, um, or saw or stuff like that. You know, we never would have got those movies without it. Exactly. And I think there's there's a lot of films that came out in the nineties. I mean, obviously, Blair, which is another one that stands mm-hmm. out straight away, which, yeah. which when it came out, you know, the marketing behind that, again, yeah. kind of urban legendary as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much, yeah. Of, with, by the way, it was marketed, oh, four people went in the woods and this happened, they got lost, really. Yeah. And yeah, I remember when it came out, we were like, shit, that happened for real. Yeah. Did it, you know? So yeah. that, so you, those films you've got to watch because it's like when I was growing up, you know, I had to watch some of the films that came out in the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. because... I was like, well, there's a gap there that needs to be filling. Yeah. And, and and I'm I'm a big fan of Final Destination and the whole franchise. And I think they all probably part apart from part four, three, one of them. I don't know which one it is now. Uh, they all work really well. Um, because again, it's that sort of that capture, it's almost like a time capsule of yeah. the 90s it, it, across yeah. these franchises of films. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um, so let's move on to the film that I chose, which, like you said, it's it was almost like the beginning of that 90s wave and it was the original kind of urban legend film um yeah you know i kind of feel that without the Candyman, we wouldn't have had i know what you did last summer or scream or even the film urban legends um yeah so Candyman is a 1992 supernatural horror directed by bernard rose Starring Virginia Madsen, Tony Todd, Vanessa E. Williams, and Kazi Lemons. It is based on a short story by Clive Barker called The Forbidden, which actually, it was set in Liverpool, and it was to do with the the class systems in Liverpool. But um, Bernard Rose decided that he would take it to Chicago and to Cabrini Green um, and kind of talk about race and class systems there, which is kind of interesting that we can Mm -hmm. kind of 
superimpose it across the Atlantic. Um, so yeah. it is about uh, a grad student completing their thesis on urban legends and folklore, and they come across the legend of Candyman, who is the ghost of an artist and son of a slave, murdered in the 19th century for his relationship with a white woman. Um, so what do yeah. you think of Candyman? Uh, well, again, so it, it, it bothered me mm. when I watched it for the first time. It didn't scare me, but bothered me a bit. Okay. More so about the way the, way the Candyman was stalking and that presence he had. Yeah. The film itself was, was, was what it was. It's a great film, but he's one of the, one of the few characters, kind of like, almost like Freddy for me, that mm -hmm. was inevitable. Mm -hmm. um, and there's so much of, of that that sticks by me. I mean, some of the, I, I can't recall the film word for word, yeah. um, but for me, it's always the presence of the Candyman, the yeah. hook, the, even the lighting, you know, like when in the street shots, you're like, it's just yeah. something about it just like throws you away. So for me, that that and obviously you know the legend behind it saying the name numerous times that stuff just worked so much for me as a film and i remember watching it um uh, soon after it came out i didn't watch it straight away actually but soon after it came out mm. i watched it and like next day in school i think it was i was in school or college i can't remember how old i was now when i watched it we're just talking about it have you seen Candyman? yeah oh yeah don't say that yeah don't say this. really yeah. oh, you see what happens i oh, see that, that bit with the bees and yeah. he's just talking about it for over and over again it yeah. just one of the films that you had to watch in that era. Yeah. If you didn't watch it, you you know you're nobody almost. Yeah, I mean, when uh, I was little, you know, I kind of wasn't really allowed to watch horror films. But I always remember my school friends being like, "Oh my god, I saw this film last night called Candyman." But you don't say his name in the mirror. Don't ever say his name in the mirror. And the fact yeah. that a movie leaked over into urban legend within yeah. like a playground setting and even though it was just a movie like i i probably still wouldn't say candy man five times into a mirror <laughs> like but if, yeah and the funny thing with that is like i remember i remember doing that i was like candy man candy man oh, yeah. no stop now yeah. you said yeah. it three times just don't you know don't say yeah. fourth or fifth back yeah <laughs> yeah and it's crazy that like the film media can like soak itself into like the oral tradition rather than it being the other way around, you know, it's mm. kind of, I, I really like that that's Candyman became that. I mean, it's, it's a mix of two urban legends. We've got obviously the Bloody Mary urban legend, where if you say her mirror, say her name in the mirror three times, she appears and also mm. the hook man because Candyman yeah. has a hook for a hand. Um, yeah. But, and then obviously we have this grad student who is researching urban legends. So, mm we kind of see that the Candyman is an urban legend that kind of haunts a housing projects uh cabrini cabrini green uh mm -hmm. in chicago and it it's kind of been given strength by the fact that all the inhabitants of this housing project really believes in the Candyman. um yeah. how do you feel about that narrative of if we give urban legends strength they do come to life Oh, 100%. Again, it's, it's a big thing in my culture. Um, yeah. Indian culture, there's loads of Indian folklore tales and stories. Some of them are made up, some of them, you know, like there's just, yeah. it, it's probably one thing and it's grown to another. And I think, especially the setting in, in the housing projects, you know, it's almost like a community yeah. that talk about a candy man and, talk, and then give life to that story. So yeah. I think that works really, really well because, again, it's something you can relate to in yeah. terms of you hear a story, you hear a myth where you grew up, and yeah, that, that person lived this 30 years ago. And yeah. that old house has been no one lives in anymore because yeah. someone died in there. And suddenly yeah. that story grows, right? And then kids add to it in school. And before we know it, it's 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 spiraling out of control. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
And how did you kind of feel about the way that, you know, even though the the artist who became Candyman was hunted by a white lynch mob, it is his own kind of community, the black community that he then chose to hunt. Yeah, that was so again when I saw it, I wasn't wasn't that aware of that narrative until yeah. I watched it again a few years ago. And it does it, it almost it confused me when I saw it again. Yeah. So I was like, okay, so there's something going on here that probably should have been the other way around because yeah. he got hunched hunted by a lynch mob. But at the same point, I I almost I remember watching it and thinking, well maybe he's doing that to find someone he can help save him you know as the story goes he does yeah. does promise but then doesn't renege on that but maybe that was what he's trying to do and then you know he just people started almost fearing him and he played on that fear to say right in that case i'm gonna hunt you down yeah maybe he went back to you know so maybe there was that element of it. i'm not i'm not read too much on it if i'm honest but yeah that's how i saw it almost so he could wait he went almost for comfort or support to his yeah. people as it were but didn't get that so then turned yeah. on them as well almost yeah I think that's a really good viewpoint of it. Um, so how did you feel about the acting, uh, specifically Tony Todd? Oh, brilliant. Um, so, uh, and I say that, you know, not in a flippant sort of way, but the bit where he, you know, when he initially, when they show him dying and stuff mm. and the bit with the bees and then he mm. lifts his coat when he, and the bees, I'm like, man, you know, he's just, that, that sort of almost cemented him as a horror icon, yeah. no matter what he did after that, yeah. he was done, he was golden. Yeah. And and I don't think anyone. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the to the, the remake or the reimagining whatever it yeah. is coming up this year later. See what how they play that and yeah. what they do with that. But that's iconic, you know. That you, yeah. we see all people like Freddie in that. But for me, that Tony Todd's role in that was iconic because he almost yeah. like he again he, the way it was set in the Hydrogen Projects. He just yeah. fitted him so well. Yeah. Um. Originally, they were going to get Eddie Murphy to play. All oh, right. Could you imagine Eddie Murphy? Could you? Uh, well, <laughs> I could. <laughs> oh, was that was that? Did he do a vampire film? He did uh, uh, vampire, 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 vampire in Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah, so maybe it could have worked. I don't know. Yeah. But we would have been more, would have been more comedy rather than yeah, serious. Yeah. I think. But yeah, Tony Todd, you couldn't imagine anybody was doing it now. No, absolutely not. And I read a great story that he uh, managed to negotiate for himself that when they did the bee scene, um, for every bee sting he got. They had to pay him an extra like one thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so he was pretty smart because obviously yeah. you look at it and you think, oh, that must be CGI. But back then they weren't really, you know, they couldn't have really done it CGI. So they used actual yeah. bees on him. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> he must have had a lot of money. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I think he ended up with like thirty odd grand more. Added on to his wow. fee. Yeah, because he just got stung so many times. And he actually had them in his mouth. Like, how freaky is that? That's dedication. Like, But, you know, in them days, people would do that sort of crazy yeah. stuff, right? They don't wear, yeah, he was like, yeah, I'd put bees on my mouth. I'm like, are you mad? <laughs> 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 um, so, would you recommend Candyman to horror fans? 100%. 100%. Yeah. Um, in fact, they did, a, they did a recent release of it, didn't they? Like a rest, restoration of it. Yes. I think Arrow did it, which I've got actually. Yeah. Um, and yeah, definitely watch it. Watch it on a bigger screen, turn the volume up super loud yeah. and just get blown away by it. I would 100% recommend it. Yeah. And I think the fact that it still stands up as a story today, 
you know, it's not like you look back and you're like, oh yeah, that was grand for its time. It doesn't really have mm-hmm. any meaning now, but you can still look back on it and be like, it's just as relevant today as it ever was. Um, I oh think, yeah. Yeah, that really stands up well as a great horror film. Uh, not only that, I mean, I know, I know, like, I could tell my kids that story and they'll get freaked out by it, right? Yeah. My kids are young enough to get, but there are people that I know that have asked me about Candyman who haven't seen it because they're not old enough to watch it yet. They're my cousins and friends and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, and I'm like, you got to watch it. Yeah. Because I won't spoil it, but you know, there's this, 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 and happens. Like, wow, really? Yeah, there's a bit with the bees that come flying yeah. out of his mouth. Wow, yeah. and it's so, it's so, it's so visually strong as yeah, well. Absolutely, yeah. That you know, you almost want to, it's an experience. I always say, you know, watch it on a bigger screen if you yeah. can. You know, if, if if ever there's a re-release on a cinema, I'm going to go and watch it yeah. again because it's a different experience. On because it's it's so so well put together. So yeah, I always recommend not only to watch it, but it. As an urban legend, mm. you know, that could, that could, I mean, I'm going to be impressed or a bit hopefully be impressed with the way they market the new rebrand or remake yeah. because that five times thing worked back in the 90s. Yeah. As you said, you didn't want to say it five times just in case. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just in case Tony Todd came through. Uh, yeah. You know, so there's a lot they could do with that. And, and that, that, that would hit a lot of people in the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing I kind of wanted to touch when it came to the urban legend, it was partly based on like Bloody Mary, Hookman, but it was also based on a, um, a 1987 murder where this woman was murdered by a guy coming through her bathroom mirror. So there was like behind Whoa. her bathroom mirror, there was like a hole into like the next apartment and um, she was murdered apparently by this guy coming through it and it's recently resurfaced uh on tiktok about this woman that was like i feel this breeze every time i go past my bathroom mirror and when she removed the bathroom mirror there was like a hole going into the next apartment no um so i kind of like the way that it was you know it was based on that and now this has transformed into like yeah. tiktok urban legends yeah and, <laughs> and, and uh, but again if you think about the mirror the mirror itself is probably the one of the most private personal things. It's just you looking at yourself and that's yeah. it. You, ex- yeah. you expect nothing. You know, you expect nothing but your reflection, yeah. doing what you're doing. And then suddenly something pops out of you like, whoa. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, that's probably one of the best ways of taking that that almost secure feeling that, yeah, yeah. I'm safe and secure. I'm in my bathroom, you know, look in the mirror. Yeah. What's going to happen to me here? And suddenly, bang, out a mirror comes out of his face. Yeah. That's, again, the way it works is brilliant. Yeah, it really plays on that kind of primal fear. I mean, how many times have you know you've looked in the mirror, looked down, and you're like, "Oh my god, what if I look up again now?" And there's something like just it's a random thought that pops into your head, and you're just like, "Oh crap! Oh crap! Oh crap!" <laughs> you you say that if I'm on a motorway, right, and I'm behind a truck and it's carrying any sort of cargo, <laughs> I've seen Final Destination. Yeah. I change lanes yeah. just in case. Never gonna happen. Right, but you, you, I've seen those films, man. Yeah, you, you just change lanes and hope for the best. Yeah, I always do this thing where if I see a hole in the wall or like in a ceiling, and I'm like, if I look into that, I can't look into it because if I look into that, there's going to be someone's eye. Like, there's just going to yeah. be a weird yeah. eye there. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's so like it's just crazy. Like I was saying about horror movies seeping into your subconscious and becoming yep. almost urban legend like and folklore like yep. to the point where I don't want to look in a crack in a wall like <laughs> <laughs> this goes to your question right at the start you know how is horror shaped you as an adult yeah. this is what he's doing yeah. <laughs> he's making... <laughs> yeah nothing too deep I just won't look in holes in walls yeah <laughs> it's, like, um, it's shaping us to be wary yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's giving me anxiety for everything um... <laughs> exactly 
So out of the two films, which one would you recommend over the other if you had to choose one of them? Uh, yeah. Based on my earlier comments about how it's not aged well, I'd say Candyman, hands down. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's probably one of the probably one that stood up. The screams done well. It stood up, stood well. Even the craft yeah. has stood up quite well mm-hmm. in, over the time. To be fair, but yeah, I know what it did last summer hasn't lasted a test of time, unfortunately. Yeah. Still a good watch. Yeah. Still worth watching. But Candyman, hands down. Yeah. yeah, I think with I know what you did last time, it's a nostalgia watch, isn't it? You're like, yeah. oh, I saw this when I was a kid, and you know, it brings yeah. me back. Whereas Candyman, I think it's just as you said, absolute horror classic. Tony Todd is. Uh, an icon when it comes to yeah. horror um yeah. so yeah i think i'd definitely go with Candyman, especially with the new one coming out as well you know you have to exactly yeah and it's, it's one of the talk films you know if you're a, sort of, if you're young getting into horror you know what film should i watch or what film should i own it's yeah. definitely one film which you'd have on blu-ray or dvd somewhere in your house absolutely you know, yeah. des- despite the myths and horrors and legends about it yeah. Have it in your house, watch it regularly, enjoy yeah, it. Exactly, yeah. Um, so let's have a quick chat about some more urban legend horror films that you may remember that were kind of from around the same time. So we obviously okay. had urban legends. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of pushed all of the urban legends together and was of that kind of teen slasher era. Uh, what that was the one set film? in the... Yeah, that was one set in the college, right? Wasn't it was, it? was yeah. College? I think it was like, that's right. like Jared Leto's very early roles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, again, that one worked because uh, it's the kind of thing you would do in a college, right? You'd set yeah. up spooky stories and stuff and, you know, you'd, you'd want to basically shit your friends up and, you yeah. know, you meet them for the first time. Whatever. So I think, again, I think I saw that. That was, I think I saw that at that all night as well, actually, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And, and it worked well because yeah. it was almost like, again, it's, like I said, something not only you would do, but the setting was, great set in a college you know yeah. where you're new you don't know what's going on and suddenly there's, mm. there's crazy stuff happening around around you and you're just trying to survive so i think it yeah. works really really well again it it plays into that urban legend where people have heard stuff not yeah. sure what they've heard maybe misheard something yeah plays on their primal fears and it just takes off from there really yeah for me it had that kind of scene in it that scared the absolute jesus out of me it was the one where the girl is in the car and she stops off at the petrol station and the petrol attendant's uh, trying to get her attention and she thinks that he's kind of like the crazy one. And it yeah. turns out that he was trying to tell her there was someone in the back seat. And yeah. that scared, it still scares me, even thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, but it, and it would do because again, it's that thing where you're safe in your car. Yeah. You know, right, I'm in my car, I've locked the doors, I'm safe. Nothing should happen. And as a viewer, you're like, yeah, they're safe. Yeah. And suddenly, bang, no, they're not. And it does yeah. that just throw, you know, it's almost like a gut punch. And horror movies do that really well. They sort of suck mm-hmm. you into this full sense of security, you know? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's all, it's all okay. And suddenly, bang, comes the jump scare. And it, yeah. it's so, so good. Yeah. Um, and also, do you remember Cherry Falls? I do. I've not seen it for ages, yeah. though. Yeah. And that was the one where everyone had to lose their virginity, otherwise a killer would come and get them. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a... What a <laughs> What a premise. I mean, you'll get ripped to shreds now, wouldn't it? <laughs> I haven't watched it recently and I kind of want to watch it again, but I can't find it anywhere. That's the only thing. It's it's, it's, it's become an be urban somewhere. legend. Imagine if it came out now. Yeah, imagine if it came out now. Um, <laughs> social media would rip it apart. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I kind of like you know? to watch it again, just to see if it's aged as badly as I think it has. <laughs> Oh, it's, I think it's one, yeah, definitely one to watch soon, actually. I'm yeah. going to find it. If I find, I'll let you know if I find yeah, it anyway. Yeah, I do. 
Um, so thank you so much for chatting about urban legends with me. And before we go, I would like to ask you what your favorite horror film is. So it's the one that I first saw, Exorcist. Ah, oh, that's my favorite as well. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love it. I love everything about it. Love the, the score, the acting, yeah. the premise. Just, just it just shocks you. Um, yeah. And it's yeah, definitely my favorite horror film. Um, I only recently saw it on a big screen actually. Oh, Before it's all been VHS or, yeah. or or DVD and that, but yeah, definitely um, one that it just sticks with you. You know, it's just yeah. so so powerful, so powerful. Yeah. Absolutely. I was meant to see it on the big screen uh, last October, but then everything shut down again. I was like, yeah. no, it's just that yeah. one film that I just need to see in a cinema. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I watch it at least twice a year. I am like, I've read the book countless times. I've yeah. seen the stage show. Like I'm proper obsessed with the, ex know everything about the exorcist. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so it's which, just, which, sorry, go which on. is your favorite? I'll say, which is your favorite cut? The one with the, the, the priests walk together away at the end or the straight cut at the end? It's so a director's cut or the extended, was it extended cut or director's cut, I think it is, isn't it? I'm not sure what it's called now. There's two yeah. versions, right? I didn't even know there was two. I know there was like two versions of every other sequel and prequel of it. Yeah, I didn't yeah, realise yeah. there was um Yeah, there's two there's two versions of it. Yeah, there's two cuts. So basically, I won't ruin it for you. I may have, I may have ruined it for you now, but there are two cuts. I'll, I'll send you the link yeah. to both and okay. check them out. There's, there's, yeah, yeah, there's two versions of it. Uh, little bits, not nothing, nothing too, you don't miss out much. But there yeah. are little bits that add to the story. Okay. Um, Maybe I've no, seen, I like, it's, it's always that thing that, like, I may have seen it, but it's just all yeah, melded yeah. into one that I'm just like, yeah, it's the exorcist, yeah. you know. Um, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I just have this real, like, possession is my favourite subgenre of horror, and yeah. the exorcist is the ultimate possession film. Definitely. When I saw, um, what was that, the autopsy of Jane Doe? Jane Doe, yeah. That worked really well. Oh, you know, brilliant, it's, yeah. That, yeah, they're hard to do those films. You know, they, some of them get quite cheesy, but that one, I was like, yeah, they've done that really well. And possession horror is difficult to do because it gets, it's always it gets compared to Exist. Yeah. Um, but that one, the way they've done the autopsy, the way it worked, mm -hmm. the way the whole possession thing worked for her body, yeah, really, really good. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think possession horror is up there for me. It's one of my favorite subgenres yeah, as well. Definitely. Um, and what is the scariest horror film you've ever seen? Uh, I hate this question because I'm not. I'm, uh, I'm not going to be. I'm not. I don't want to sound big-headed, but nothing really scares me. If yeah. I'm honest, so the only film that's ever scared me to the point where I couldn't sleep was when I saw Amityville Horror, and again I was young. Yeah, may have been twelve, eleven, something like that. That scared me to death because yeah. it was a home, and I'm like, oh, I can look out the window and see something, you know. Yeah. So that scared me. Um, nothing really has scared me, scared me since, if I'm honest. Yeah. Things have bothered me. Um, the Babadook bothered me a bit, if I'm mm -hmm. honest. Um, I think that's about it, really. Yeah. But even that, it was more so because so, since I've had kids, any film, any horror film that involves kids and kids getting hurt, yeah, they bug me now. Yeah, you know. So so then I get a bit sort of I flip over now. So I'm happy seeing someone's head get chopped off, but if suddenly a kid gets hurt, so I'm like, yeah. ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's why it's one of the reasons why I couldn't finish Mother uh, by right. Darren Aronofsky. I just couldn't finish yeah. it. I was just like, no, um, I know what happens. Yeah. I don't need to see the end of it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. There's a, there's a few films, but yeah, no, and I don't, I don't want to sound big-headed, but yeah, nothing really scares me. Yeah. I'm not a jumper, so you know, I won't, yeah. I won't, I don't jump at jump scares and stuff. Um, but I get bothered by stuff. Yeah. If I'm honest. Um, but I want to get, I want to get scared. I was all ready to get scared by Hereditary. And it didn't work for me. Same. Um, yeah. It didn't. It, it, it was good, but I was, I was like, 
oh, but it didn't scare me, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I'm the same. I don't get scared, but I'm always looking for that thrill. I'm always like, I hope yeah. this is the one that scares the shit out of me. Like, <laughs> 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 it's like being an adrenaline so. junkie. Oh, that's what, yeah, that's what it's about, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you very much. And if people would like to find you on social media, where can they reach you? Yeah, so I'm on mainly Twitter and Instagram, uh, Mal Jutley, so M-A-L-J-U-T-L-E-Y, uh, on both Instagram and Twitter. Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on. No worries. Chatting about Urban Legends with me. No, thank you for having me. It's been really, really good. So that was my discussion there um, about Urban Legends with my guest, Mal Jutley. Um, and together we dissected uh, 1992's uh, classic Candyman starring Tony Todd um, and also 1997's I Know What You Did Last Summer starring all the 90s teen stars. Um, so what did you think of this week's episode do you enjoy urban legends what's your favorite urban legend why don't you let us know over on our social media at what a scream podcast on facebook or instagram or you can at me on twitter at what underscore scream i am becoming more um what's the word more involved on twitter over there um i don't know why i was so scared of it in the beginning now i've just built this lovely community of horror fans um and you can also go onto our letterbox to find out what films we are covering uh, in the future and what films we have previously covered. Um, don't forget to uh, subscribe and comment, leave a review on whatever podcast streaming service you are using. That helps us get noticed by uh, listeners. And I would really, really, really appreciate it. Um, I think that's everything. I also have a blog if you would like to uh, check out some of my writing there. It is whatascream.wordpress.com possibly. I should really learn the URL for that. But how or never. Um, so yes, I hope you are all doing fine. I hope you are enjoying the plethora of horror themed media that has come at us recently with um, obviously the opening of cinemas, if you've seen A Quiet Place 2 or uh, The Conjuring 3 or Ben Wheatley's uh, In the Earth, which is fantastic. I would recommend everyone to go see that while it is out in the cinema because it is a cinematic experience you all need to uh, experience. <laughs> and as always, I hope you are staying horrific. Goodbye. Shouldn't be scared of the Dracula. Shouldn't be scared of the Dracula.